Hey Jammers, we're back, finishing up side two of the music that made us volume two. Pat and I have seven more tracks to lay down. These tracks are available on the Spotify and YouTube playlist, so be sure to have that playlist handy if you'd like to listen alongside us. So chill out, drop in, drop out, whatever, and we're going to get started and push play on this episode. So have a good time, guys, and we'll catch you all on the flip side. just about music um i do clearly remember buying peace of mind and this album i think at the same time it's industrial again kmfdm kmfdm mdfmk mdfmk which i'll talk a little bit about but kmfdm a drug against war all right let's go let's do it all right guys this is the part of the jam cast where you get to choose your own adventure You can either pause the podcast now and jump over to Spotify or YouTube and listen alongside us, or you can just hang out for a few seconds and we'll be right back. It's really your call, no wrong answer. That was KMFDM, Drug Against War, and it's just back into that industrial vein, man, and I think there is a you know just a side of me that lives there and it's a terrifying side of you jimmy (laughs) i love it so much and i think i'm i'm pretty sure i bought angst which this album uh this song is off that album with peace of mind i bought them at the same time i feel like the the kmfdm album covers that i remember yeah like propaganda looking yeah yeah his name is uh adrian hughes and he was known as brute and all of all of their album covers are iconic if you look up kmfdm if you don't like the music fine <clears throat> go look up kmfdm brute just search brute artwork and yeah. you'll see some awesome 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 drawings and artwork yeah um he actually, so that guy Adrian did two videos. One of them was a drug against war, and one of them was Son of a Gun, uh, off Extort, which is another great album. Um, came out in '93. It was off Angst. I'll throw out a random number. Maybe their fifth album, fourth or fifth album. I don't know. Someone will but check that. They're noted just like Ministry, kind of being one of those industrial bands that hit the mainstream. You know, you had industrial bands that were in the background. Uh, I think Sasha, however you say his name, I'm going to say Konietzko. Um, We'll just call him Sasha K. Sasha, he dubs himself as like the grandfather of industrial music. I'm like, I don't like when people dub themselves. No, you don't. Don't dub yourselves. He's good. He's good. He does everything. He kind of has been the forerunner of KMFDM and, as you said, MDFMK. He worked on Slick Idiot, I think, with Nesh, who was like the big keyboardist of KMFDM. 
Um, but the thing I found was funny. So they were founded in Paris in 1984. And Sasha... Are they French? No, he's German. Oh, that's what I thought. But they were in Paris. And Sasha and Udo Sturm uh, <laughs> got together and... Oomst, oomst, yeah, <laughs> Udo Sturm uh, got together. Udo on synth and Sasha on vacuums wait <laughs> like like hoovers like hoovers bro <laughs> it's industrial music man that's where they found it and i guess he was playing somehow he was playing vacuums busted out the Suckmaster <laughs> 3000 he was just hooving around what man the fuck? and uh he Some also had bissell a... solo <laughs> Um, he also found four Polish miners to beat the walls of the building they were playing in. Miners to make with it... an E or an O. Huh? Miners with an E or an O. E. Okay. Like like in the ground. Okay. In the ground. All right. <laughs> four Polish miners. Just, yeah, we're just, just we're just checking. How weird this podcast is about to get. I mean, he's playing with vo- vacuums. Vacuums. Um. That he met in a brothel. So I'm good. At, oh. I'm glad. I'm glad you made the determination yeah. that they were ERs. Um, well, how did you get into like? I don't. I don't know how you could just be like, yeah, I, I turn on Y100 and I heard <laughs> Third Eye Blind and then I put on. Well, KMSM. it was probably that same friend Brian uh, out sense. there with Nine Inch Nails, Marilyn Manson. I so I would have put Marilyn Manson on this music that made us. But the dude has just so much bad stuff being put out right now by him that I don't even yeah. know how to like dig into him anymore because I whether I agree or disagree it doesn't matter it's just like I don't even want to like go down that path. Yeah, it turns out he's like um, a little bit of a scum bucket. Yeah, but now he's he's singing with Kanye and Justin Bieber at some kind of religious uh, donda fucking Kanye West thing. Did you not see that? I did not. Oh, he's he's in all white. I just don't get it anymore. But. Marilyn Manson was probably the first that I was into before I even moved to our area where I met you. Yeah. I was still in the city. I was by myself. I love Marilyn Manson. But that kind of feeds into the whole Nine Inch Nails scene. And then, right. okay, Nine Inch Nails is this. And then you're like, oh, what else is there? Skinny Puppy, KMFDM, Skinny Ministry. Puppy, all of those kind of like bands really go together. KMFDM was just kind of like... I don't know. They were the polished ministry. Ministry was kind of like all over the place and just loud, right? They even claimed themselves to be aggressively yeah. loud. KMFDM is loud, but with purpose. Like they're calculated yeah. and they have a plan and they're there. KMFDM is against kind of like the corporate world. You know what I mean? Like they're, cool. they're yeah, you know what I mean? Like, and it was just like, that's what they were there for. And I didn't, I wasn't like, yeah damn the man like i wasn't there no but at the same time like all right cool you guys at least i know why you're doing this you're doing this because you don't yeah i don't know man but bought it at at disco round hit funko land on the way home (laughs) funko land man yeah Yeah. funko land again i don't listen to it a lot now but i hear that and i'm like yeah it brings me back too because like i I remember i remember some (laughs) we would pass music around and that was something you passed to me yeah and uh I, I might not have gotten too far into it, but I remember no. like ninth grade, 
Like, this dude's got a KMFDM shirt. Like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Anyway. The vacuum music? That's just, it's German Bissell. Well, that was the last Hurt Your Soul one. Uh, I got some easy listeners on the way out here. Uh, I, I have one that's going to hurt a little bit. Let's but, go. Um, not this one. So, <laughs> oddly enough, everything we've listened to so far yeah. has fallen on the rock music side of things. Right. So I'm going to throw my personal intro into underground hip hop again. I guess I'm just trying to be cool and hearing shit that people don't <laughs> normally listen to. But I love this album, love this guy, this artist, and uh, was introduced to this guy by a really good friend of mine. Um, so let's do Sage Francis Gunzio off the album A Healthy Distrust in 2005. All right, guys, you know the drill. Either jump over to Spotify or YouTube, check out the playlist. If not, just hang out. We'll be right back. Sage Francis, like I said, that was uh, Gunzio off A Healthy Distrust. Um, Sage is, it's funny, like, it's hard to say it in the same sentence, but he's like widely known as an underground rapper. Right. Um, he was uh, kind of in like the hip hop, rap, spoken word, poetry scene. Guy from Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah. Big into like the poetry and spoken word. Uh, um, <laughs> known for sneaking out of his parents' house when he was a kid to go to rap battles. And uh, that's awesome. He by won. The way. He won Scribble Jam, which is like a a battle rap contest. Yeah. Uh, in 2000, wearing a Metallica t-shirt. Okay. And he beat Blueprint at the time, which I've played Blueprint shit for you before. Yeah. But um, he's got, like, really clever lyrics. Some of them are political in nature. A lot of them are, like, social issues and shit like that. So, like, yeah. this particular song is about guns, obviously. Yo. Right? It's a little bit of hyperbole around, like, you know, the insecurity of having a gun or needing a gun and, like, all the, all the thoughts and feelings that come around with, like, having a gun, like... I got a water gun to keep it in my mouth. It keeps me safe from the things I like to speak about. Um, and uh, Sage actually came to prominence with a song called Makeshift Patriot. That was one of the things that like shot him to stardom. He had a bunch of really good albums. Yeah. And I ended up seeing him live twice. And the second time I saw him live, he was, um, he was torn on a, a more recent album. And... The, the ending song on the album, I think it's called Life, with like mm -hmm. F in parentheses. Yeah. And um, he did this song called The Best of Times, which is a, like an anthology of, of stories about his life and like the advice he would give his younger self. And it's like a really touching song. And he finished the song. The music kept playing and Sage got off the stage, um, walked into the crowd. And he hugged every single person that was at the concert, myself included. Wow. And it was just like, you can't do that now because everyone's got COVID. But right. um, <laughs> nobody wants that. But now. that was so <laughs> no, nobody <laughs> wants that. But just this big, sweaty hug by this, like, kind of slightly overweight dude from Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah. It was so meaningful, like, as a, a fan of music, that an artist would be so appreciative. Right. That he would just be like, you know, I'm going to hop off stage. And yeah. hug everybody. Yeah. Um, pretty cool. But um, that's, pre that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's a pretty cool thing. But I would say Sage was one of my intros, along with bands like, you know, uh, Black Star, like Talib and Most Def, uh -huh. Atmosphere, Mob Deep, Immortal Technique, Pharaoh Monch. Like that whole hip hop scene 
yeah. relatively underground. It wasn't the mainstream shit at the time because the mainstream shit was like, you know, Fifty Cent, Eminem. It was, yeah. like, was kind of cool to get away from that and like the less overproduced, more lyrically sure. oriented, non sellout kind of thing. And plus, it's like trying to be cool, right? It's like I don't right. want to listen to that everyone else is listening to. I want to find sure. something new. It's like oh, I used to get so mad when I would listen to something early. And then everyone would jump on, and I'd be like, I don't like it anymore. Yeah. So, it's because you don't want, like, heard it six months ago, bro. Get out. Yeah, yeah. I, I had that album already. Yeah, I threw it out. I threw it out. Don't listen to it. Don, you want it? It's in my trash. Um, <laughs> it's in my trash. <laughs> but, so, um, I haven't had a chance to talk to this dude in a while, but the, the guy who introduced me to this was actually Doug, Doug Zajikowski. Oh, Doug no Zaj. way, Doug Zaj. Yeah, yeah, and I had this thing, and I wanted to bring this up as a part of, like, the continuation of my music listening style and my music, like, how I consume music. Yeah. What I used to do, and I did this to you, <laughs> as we got older, I, I got a really... Uh, heavy duty iPod, like a 256 boy right. back in the day. Yeah. And what I would do is I would pirate everybody's iTunes, the house that I went to. Yeah. And I would just plug in, take your whole library. <laughs> I would copy your library. I didn't yeah. steal it. Yeah. I would copy your library, put it on my iPod, and then I would plug my iPod into my car stereo and I would hit shuffle. Shuffle, just go, right? And see whatever you got. I got so much cool shit from you. That I hadn't heard before as we yeah. got older and you, uh-huh. know, you moved away and yeah. I would come up and see you and you'd come down and see me. I'd pick you up and uh, I got a bunch of shit from Doug. I got a whole bunch of shit from um, Nick, our friend Nick. Yeah. And uh, it was cool to like go through that. And like I learned about Blueprint that way and got into Atmosphere and Sage. And I went and saw all these people in concert and everything like That's that. Really cool. Another cool influencer of mine who I know will never listen to this. Yeah, I remember one of the things that Steve once said to me. Steve was one of the smartest people I've ever met. But he um, he said, Pat, you're the only person on this university campus who can fix a tractor. And you know why that is. It's like, what the fuck does that mean, Steve? But anyway, so Steve, <laughs> Steve, <laughs> Steve was my roommate and... He was like one of the most relaxed human beings I've ever encountered. Yeah. And every single night, Steve would get ungodly high in his own room and listen to hip hop music. Yeah. And and he would read and he would like study and read all of his books and get straight A's. Steve is a doctor now. Oh. <laughs> so I remember a bunch of late nights um, sitting up with Steve and like trading music back and forth and like listening to his library and stealing all of his shit right and then when i would drive back and forth from st joe's or back and forth from my parents house to st joe's or from st joe's to la fitness when i was working through college and uh just all new music sitting yeah. stuck in traffic on, on um, lincoln drive right. and just hearing shit i'd never heard before and so i got into all the stuff that it was just, it was brand new to me. It wasn't on the radio. Right. And so I got into all these different genres and like Sage was my intro and this ability to kind of pirate my friend's music. But I, I kind of put that back in the same sense of like, you bring your CD book over. Yeah. I'd have my CD no, book. It was like I, the new way to do it. I have my CD book. I, someone stole right my CD it. book out of the, out of my car at that Iron Maiden concert. I remember that. Fucking people said they locked my door and they didn't but um 
I think that's kind of cool that you and I would share music like that. And then I would get the opportunity to learn about new music, not from like the media, not from the internet, but literally from like people's legitimate experience and the songs they wanted and the ones they wanted to hear. I put them on my, and there's a ton of fucking throwaways, ton of them. I'd like, (laughs) yeah, click, you're hitting next a bunch. A lot of that, a lot of that. And you do that on Pandora and you got an ad every six songs. Yeah. But, um, I just remember that, you know, that, that Doug, my buddy Nick, who I brought up before, Steve, all had the most substantial music libraries. And uh, I think it was kind of cool because it brought me back to the idea of expanding your mind around music is sometimes about getting uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? It's about listening to something that you haven't heard before. Sure. Or that, you know, maybe sonically isn't, isn't like, ideal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've talked with my brother-in-law, Zach, about this a few times, about, like, I had to listen to the album through three times before I really dug it. And it's like, that's a weird thing to say. Because you can go and find something that's sonically pleasing um, in shit that you've listened to years and years and years, but you're cloistered in that, like, those ten bands. You know what I mean? You know, I think the, the main takeaway from that is that it's like sometimes it's good to get uncomfortable and, and have to listen to, you know, give give songs a chance. Don't listen to the hits, you know, listen to the full album. Thanks, Iron Maiden. And right, then it's like, right. if you don't like the genre, try it out. Ask some friends, download someone's entire iTunes category or uh, catalog and, you know, work off of that and see what you can find. And you might be pleasantly surprised. I never I had no intention of getting into underground hip hop, but the main memory that I remember is us driving from my one apartment to my house out in Fayetteville. I remember that. And we were going, uh, we got in the car, the ladies stayed back because we didn't pack as well as we said we did. And they were going to pack stuff. And we're like, we're going to go, go to the house and check it out. And we drove 35 minutes down like a long stretch of highway with like fields and all this stuff. I had my iPod and had all it, it had all of Sage on there from you. And I was like, I had every Sage album. Let's go. Let's listen. And you were just loving life. I remember you taking videos. This is before Snapchat. You were taking videos of us doing it. You were just driving like 60 miles an hour, listening to all the Sage songs. And we get to the house and we didn't have the key. Yeah. And it was like a 35 minute drive. So that goes up to, you know, an hour, an hour and 10. Um, but we had an hour and 10 minutes of just listening to a bunch of Sage songs. And then we had to go so, back. So, uh, I'm glad you had that on here. I think Sage is a awesome. I was surprised that it was Doug, man. Doug Zajikowski. I miss you, man. I miss him too. I feel like I, uh, I Doug. lost touch with the guy. He was one of my, one of my best good friends back in, uh, high school and college. And um, I feel like you could get him back pretty quick. Doug's a good guy. He is. So. I think I'm gonna stick in the hip hop realm. I'll hit you with some Mac Miller. Nice spins. So the spins off of Kids, which is kicking incredibly dope shit. Uh, The fourth mixtape from Mac Miller, PA resident, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. stand up right right like i don't know like mac miller's made 
a lot of headlines for good and bad reasons over the last few years. Yep. He had passed away in 2018 due to uh, accidental overdose. But just as I gave you uh, some new information happening on some of the bands we've been talking about, uh, the guy who is being charged with selling him, you know, fentanyl-laced Oxycontin, yeah. uh, pleaded guilty. So that just happened in October, I think. I think I heard about um, that. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's, it's messed up, man. Anyway, it's crazy to hear this song. It's from 2010. Um, Let Him In was on this one. And that's the reason I put it on the music that made us. Because I feel like when you lived in that apartment, I don't know where it was, the Winchester or Westfields or what were they called? Uh, West Hampton? I don't know. Yeah, that sounded right. Sounded sounded really prestigious, but it was not. It, it was, was just it was a, a shithole. <laughs> shithole of an apartment. Um, the West Ends? I don't know. It was on... Blair Mill Road. It was yeah. the... Oh, Wellington? Wellington? Wellington Apartments. <laughs> Wellington Apartments. beef Wellington I knew apartment. where you lived. You didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude. The Wellington Apartments. I just have such a memory tied to it. Once again, this is later in life. This is after college. This is like in our actual lives. Living for, with our girlfriends. Yeah, living time. with our girlfriends. Uh, I actually got dressed for my wedding at that apartment. Um, oh. And let them in was the vine culture we watch vines all the time on youtube we listen to let them in it was just it was huge for which i thought was crazy it was a flyers like fight song almost yeah it was the it was 20 2010 i think i think it was 2010 was the year that um the flyers made a really good playoff run and they ended up losing in the finals to the blackhawks yeah but that was their win song they would play yeah them in. yeah let them in mac miller which is funny because typically and i'm not i i've 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 changed my tune a little bit because of where i live but philly and pittsburgh people do not see eye to eye yeah sports wise at least yeah interesting that he's from pittsburgh and it was a flyers win song um they played it a lot yeah you one-off. played it a lot, and well, we played it a lot. It was a good song, and it, it's one of those songs that has like a a really accessible like it wasn't even a dance, but like you know when to knock kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Let him in, let him in. Like that was that was always fun to do. And it was Mac. So Mac Miller, that is not Mac Miller. Like if you listen to any of his later stuff, it's so much more deep than that, and there's so much more. Like he got categorized, I think, as frat frat rap. Yeah. Um, because of his early stuff, Kool-Aid and Pizza, I think, was one of his songs. Yeah. Um, this song, The Spins, which is about being drunk, talks about it. He was 18 when he did this song. Yeah. Like, he said, oh, yeah, I just graduated high school. Ha ha. Yeah. Like, first off, that's ridiculous. Kid yeah. was real young doing this stuff. And put together, he was, he was, he had some flow, man. He had some good flow because it, it got better as he went on. Yeah. No, the thing that got me about this song and what rappers do and I just love is when they laugh at their own lines yeah. in the middle of, of rap, like going hard. And then they just <laughs> like, but anyway, he is one of those dudes that is a post Malone. He is classically trained. He knew at the time at the age of, by the age of six, he knew how to play piano, drums, 
guitar, and bass. Damn. I don't know how good he was, but he yeah, could. He was absolute dog he was shit. Dog shit at all, all of them. them. <laughs> but he but he could play them. But he knew know? how to get up on he the piano. He knew how to play stands. a C chord on all of them. Yeah. But he was rapping by the age of fourteen, walking on a dream by Empire of the Sun. Yeah. Is perfect oh, yeah. to that song. Like they're it seems like they're singing for Mac Miller. Like yeah. that is one of the best samples that like comes in and is melded so well yeah. to nothing he's talking about. But Correct. it sounds like it needs to be there. Yeah. And I remember hearing the the Walking on a Dream came out in 2008 yeah. and Mac Miller came out in 2010. I think I heard Mac Miller first. Yeah. And I was at a party. The Walking on a Dream came on. And I was like, is this Mac Miller? Like, <laughs> Get him out of here. Get this was, asshole out of here. It was, it was, it was Walking on a Dream. This is Steve But anyway, that's my, that's my little hip-hop contribution. So I dig it, man. I'll let you go. Where are you taking us next? Well, I'm taking you back about nine years okay. uh, from that song. Mm-hmm. Um, staying in the 2000 to 2001 range. Um, I'm going to do Crawl by Alkaline Trio off of From Here to Infirmary in 2001. That was Crawl by Alkaline Trio. That was another 2001. I had a bunch. We have a bunch from that time period. That's like 13, 14 for us. Uh When we think about like music that made us, that's like the time period when it happened. That's when we were made by music. Um, as always, in order, the, the band facts, kind of what they're, what, who they are. Uh, Chicago-based trio, shocker, right? Uh, now consists of Matt Skiba, um, Dan Andriano, and Derek Grant. They had some popularity in the late 90s with uh, God Damn It, Maybe I'll Catch Fire. And then this one, they were kind of like somewhere between punk and pop punk. Mm-hmm. Like kind of Blink-182-ish, a little bit edgier. Content of the music was way darker. Uh, Matt Skiba ended up... Oddly enough, becoming the lead singer of Blink One Eighty Two, really after yeah after Tom DeLonge left back in twenty fifteen, oh. and he was meant as like a temporary replacement, uh-huh. but he did a full album with him. Really? So yeah, I I didn't huh. I didn't follow that album particularly, but they went all the way through that. Um, the the significance of this song for me, it was not in two thousand one. Um, I would say this song for me was probably in my in my bullpen of music probably when I was like 19, 20, 21 mm-hmm. in yeah. that range. And uh, at that point in my life, I had just gone through like a really rough breakup. Mm-hmm. And the, the song in particular and the music is about alcohol and drug addiction and also like a double entendre about drinking and a bad breakup where it says like got a taste of you sure. threw up all night. Kind of thing. And um, it was a kind of a tough time in my life because you're dealing with all the, am I a kid? Am I an adult? And, you know, where am I? Where am I going with life? I had a really tough semester in college. I couldn't figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. I had some trouble picking majors and shit like that. Yeah. I was working through college and um, I had a couple of my good friends at the time were overseas in, in uh, Iraq. And uh, I was still kind of like figuring out who I was as a human being. And this particular song kind of ha- was like this, not this song in particular, but this album mm-hmm. and their work 
was like that floating out in space, who the fuck am I yeah. kind of era of my life. Mm-hmm. And like, what am I going to become? Am I, you know, my, am I going to make something of this college degree? Am I going to find a, a girl? Am I going to be successful? I put in all this work to do all these things. And it was like, I was kind of, I was kind of angsty, kind of emo, right? A little bit. And this was their whole catalog, which I've forced you to listen to a number of times, um, really encapsulated that period of time for me where it was like, call it, it it was not coming of age. It was like legitimately becoming an adult. Yeah. Moving from a certain age. Yeah. Coming of a certain age. And, uh, and so anytime I, I hear Alkaline Trio kind of brings me back to that era and this particular song was like the soundtrack to that breakup at the time. Well, if you think about, so 2001, I don't know, and I would probably have to do some research to understand when emo broke, right? Mm-hmm. Like, when did emo come? Uh, so when we were in high school, I think. Yeah. Back this in is that. 2001, you hit the 90s, and if they had the same sound on their first couple albums, or was this their second album? I think it was their third even like thinking about emo and where it comes from like you have the grunge scene punk to grunge to emo is where i think it kind of there are there are there are offshoots i think think alternative fits in there too yeah definitely definitely that makes sense whether you were listening to it five years later or whenever it still has that same vibe that same feel of like there's emotion going on in this song Mm -hmm. and if you have any sense of emotion going on in your life you're going to glob onto that, right? Yeah. Like, whatever, especially if it's, like, so clearly defined. Yeah. Like, it's, hey, it's break about up a breakup a thing and, and you're going through all that. that emotion, which yeah. most of those, I mean, it, emo stands for emotional. Right. Um, emo, emo music or emo rock or emo punk or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's emotional. It's extra, it's extra emotional. <laughs> um, when you listen to it now, I guess my question to you is, do you feel down or do you feel that the music lifted you or put you in a place that makes you feel better? I think that's that's more it. And and I think we hit on it before. It's kind of the idea of remaking the memories. Yeah. And so yeah. when I go back, it was like, this is the stuff I would put on. Like, you know, you're, you're driving to class or you're, you know, you're driving to, to work or whatever. And like, you're feeling kind of shitty and it's like, all right. These guys feel shitty too. Yeah, you know, like let's, these. Let's, let's all be shitty together. Yeah, like this. This is the art, like the artist rendering of how I feel right now. Right, and I just want to be in it. And sometimes yeah. you'd like, I need to, I need to make, you know, that sad part didn't quite get me. Like I got to get sadder and listen, yeah. and just like, you, you feel stuff other than numb, yeah. and yeah. you know, it it was. Uh, Beyond that, the music's fucking good. Yeah, the, 100%. And all of their stuff, um, I would say most of their stuff is good. And yeah. I, I've, I really like them as a as an artist, you know, as a band and all that stuff. That one was, uh, that was another uh, random iTunes find for me. That was not like a, they didn't play them on Y100 when no. I was growing up. No, no. Like I found them. Found them through some friends who had right. found them, and I stole their iTunes catalog. <laughs> Sorry about that. So that's funny because, like, I only know Alkaline Trio honestly because of you. Yeah. And one moment that stands out particularly to me is when we drove to Florida. You 
Oh, yeah. How old were you? 22, 23? 20, it was 2009. So I was 22. 22 years old, driving to Florida. Your girlfriend at the time was going down there to work as an intern for a Disney resort, right? Yeah. And to we had nothing. We had we had MapQuest to get down there. Yeah, printed out directions. Printed out directions to get down there, and I think you had an iPod. And we, I feel like Alkaline Trio made its way mm-hmm. onto the like we went through almost a whole discography. Um, oh yeah, going down there. I remember my friend Peter. I just for some reason I don't care. Like just <laughs> yeah. that song, and uh, that's where that song comes in for me. Yeah, man, Crawl Alkaline Trio fucking good song i think i'm hitting this beast of burden released june 9th 1978 keith richards wrote this song to mick jagger because in 1977 keith richards was caught up in legal troubles heroin bad stuff, really having problems, and Mick Jagger held it together for the Rolling Stones. And he told Mick that I I don't want to be your beast of burden. A beast of burden is a let me read this. A beast of burden is an animal that labors for the benefit of man. Yeah. So I don't want to, I don't want to have to be the person that take like I don't want you to be the person that takes on all this stress because I'm a I'm I'm an asshole that's over here messing up the band. And Mick, when he went in to record, just laid in other other pieces to make it more of a, a song yeah. that made sense. Because I guess in 1978 the Rolling Stones were having a tough time connecting with their crowd there was a lot of disco stuff going on new rock stuff like there's a lot of new things coming out and the rolling stones were kind of tailing out this was their comeback album in the in 78 they came back and they kind of mixed all that up with new rock and just kind of blues even some country in there and just pulled it all together which was interesting to me because you know research this i always felt like it was a darker song yeah. And I never heard that from the Stones before. I didn't hear Paint It Black until after I heard this song. I didn't know Sympathy for the Devil was a, a song about the devil. Like, I didn't understand all right. of that. I heard this song. Actually, it's funny. Earlier, you talked about Nick being one of our guys that we got music from. Yeah. He played this song for me on his iPod one of the days we were hanging out. Yeah. And I was just like, who, who this is the Stones? Like, I, I didn't know the Stones. I was a Beatles guy. Yeah. I was you always to, Beatles. Had to choose, now. right? Huh? You always had to choose between Yo, the that's, that's what it was. It was Pepsi and Coke, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Pepsi and Coke, Beatles or Stones. And I never chose the Stones because I, I knew Jumpin' Jack Flash or uh, Satisfaction. Like, yeah. that wasn't my scene. Yeah. yeah. But I found out later that the Stones had... Like ups and downs and different types of genres, they were kind of genre bending. Yeah. Like you listen to every Beatles song, and you've listened to one type of music. Sure. Some sad, some happy, some low, right. some high. 
but it's one type of music. Yeah. You listen to all of the Stones, you're like, got some blues, got some soul, got some disco, got some rock, got some all of that. And it kind of opened me up to, wow, like that's why they're they're like one of those bands that people get into is because they did so much. That song made me because everyone talked about the Rolling Stones and I just blew them off because I was a Beatles fan. Yeah. And I didn't give them any time of day. And that was the first song I gave the time of day and kind of made me like take a step back and go, what, what is this? Like, yeah. what is this song? And Nick, Nick introduced it. He played it. Um, and it was one of the days where I clearly remember walking to a supermarket and grabbing Arnold Palmer lights and just walking around drinking them like cool kids in high school. APLs. Um, yeah, and it just it's crystallized as a song I heard that day, and it was on his iPod, and he pushed play, and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, all right. And since then, probably my favorite Rolling Stones song. It's cool that the the reason why it's in there is because you know it was an opportunity for you to give a chance to something that you had been dismissive of, and right. that's kind of been a theme here is like getting comfortable with the uncomfortable and expanding your horizons and getting influence from people that you want to be influenced by shit i got some beatles references on my next one so let's go let's uh this is my last song i'm kind of sad because there's like we talked about before many other songs that made me but this one in particular um was kind of the bridge to the music genre that i find myself most aligned with lately into a sort of prog rock this is the contortionist doing integration off of the album language from 2014 the, the logical progression of this <laughs> this playlist is right into that it's go, always perfect man. go from the hardest song on to the, the playlist to the softest it. well anyway um so, so what song was that, Pat? That was, my friend, that was Integration mm-hmm. off the album Language by The Contortionist. There he is. Now, I've done The Contortionist on another one mm-hmm. of our uh, podcast, Comfy Covers, when they, they covered 1979. Great, great cover. Huge fan of this band. Uh, and obviously they had to make this list. Um, it was a little bit of a toss-up because I wanted to kind of put a band out there that was my my foray into prog metal prog rock yeah and they weren't it but they are probably my favorite artist of the genre um from you know cover to cover so between the barrier to me is between the barrier to me is probably Mm -hmm. probably them or really animals as leaders um but i mean they've all fucking toured together so it's it's not like there's a huge difference so Quick facts about the band, uh, founded by uh, Joey and Robbie Baca in 2007. Um, the lead singer on this album was brought in because their lead singer left. They brought in Mike Lesser from the band Last Chance to Reason. They're pretty good. I like their album. Um, and they produced this album with uh, with Jamie King, who does Between the Barrier and Me and all the He Is Legend albums. Hmm. And so <clears throat> I thought it was kind of interesting to to hear or to read about 
who the contortionist was influenced by. So like Brian Eno, B- BT Bam, Pat Metheny, Alan Holdsworth. Um, you know, again, the bands toured with Between the Buried and Me, Polyphia, Sixth, like a bunch of those yeah. bands in that genre. And uh, actually brought in the bassist from Scale the Summit, which is like a really bass-driven band. And so Big time. like this album, front to back, is a, a full-on masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Like they do language um, one and two, and and they do they did a rediscovered version of it where they like uh, acoustic basically yeah version of it. Yeah. It's magical. The other thing that I thought was interesting um, was they they say Jai Guru Deva Om, which is like um, most notably from across the universe. Right, the Beatles. Beatles. It's Sun. you know, it's a mantra, and it's it's uh, has a lot to do with transcendental meditation. Yeah, and so the idea was like it's giving thanks to the guru, right, the teacher, the Maharishi, and the Om at the end is like the you know the yoga, mm-hmm. like finding the natural vibration of the universe, and the album is about like there's black and white, good and evil, male and female, duality at play. The album is like being intuitive and calculative and all this stuff. And it's uh, a lot of it has to do with like relationship between mother and son. And it's just pretty cool. It's just talking about those things. And um, it's significance to me was they, it was kind of the logical movement of where heavy rock was going, like the inflames of the world, the iron maidens, like a lot of the, 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 byproducts yeah. of that precursor was this prog metal and obviously you can go back and say like hey king crimson yes like all those right. original right, right, right. progressive bands but like you think about mainstream that attack you know that the younger generation kind of uh, attaches to mm-hmm. that this is where it was going like between the barrier to me intervals opeth right. all of them and um this album in particular as, as well as, like, the Animals Leaders album, you know, Colors by Between the Bear and Me, uh, Great Misdirect, all that kind of stuff, really got me into the scene. And to be honest, like, a lot of that was from Zach, my, yeah. my brother-in-law. Because he was a, he's a prog metal musician. And, you know, um, it was cool to, like, again, hear new music that I was uncomfortable with and get comfortable with it to learn about it and to to really get into it and i just i've kind of gravitated towards that these days and um it's pretty cool i I like the fact that there's content within a lot of like the screaming and the shit that you can't really hear them say right at the very end of the album there's this really deep quote um that i I really found myself attached to and again I, i found myself gravitating towards this this album as you know, again, the music that makes you, um, because it got me into the scene, but it also, I think it encapsulates like a lot of the scene itself. I wanted to read you this quote from the parable. Uh, it's Alan Watts and says, in other words, that the so-called involuntary circulation of your blood is one continuous process with the stars shining. If you find out that it's you who circulates your blood, you will at the same moment find out that you are shining the sun. Because your physical organism is one continuous process with everything else that is going on. Just as the waves are continuous with the ocean, your body is continuous with the total energy system of the cosmos. And it's all you. Only you're playing the game, but you're only this bit of it. Kind of cool. 
Right. It's kind of a cool, kind of a cool, like, wrap up to, like, what is language? It's the relationship between a mother and a son. It's, you know, the integration. It's, it's, I don't know. Full circle. Yeah, it's full circle. I really enjoy it. I really enjoy them. Again, not to overuse the word, but, like, sonically, I really enjoy the the music Mm -hmm. itself. The content is cool. And, um, you know, this is, this is music that I've been listening to and, you know, expanding on in my catalog and seeing concerts of for the past 10, 12 years. Right. And, uh, again, it's the music that I find myself gravitating to most lately. So, yeah, we saw these guys, we saw these guys and I believe they, they did this album. They did parts of it. They did some of it. I've seen them. I saw them once with you and then I've seen them, I think three other times really that many times yeah a whole bunch wow um and yeah i think three yeah and uh holy shit are they good i mean yeah. I, I, I i had a real good time at that concert it's funny that the first time i saw them um we <laughs> i think it was me and zach went to see them at the voltage lounge yeah and we walked up and like they were just sitting in a van oh they're just out front like they're not a, they're, and that's another thing that's cool about this this genre is that like it's not extremely popular right so yeah. you can you can get tickets uh-huh. and um like you remember when we saw it was uh chan polyphia and strawberry girls yeah the voltage lounge yeah at the voltage lounge yeah and the the guys from polyphia like came up and got drinks like right, right next to us right next. just like the kanye's not doing that yeah no, sage no. francis fucking is right but like you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of accessibility to the artists and like yeah, even through social media intervals now. intervals. When I saw Aaron yeah. Marshall, I was like, hey, hey, can you, can yeah, you, can you sign this? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Did he sign that for you? It signed up there, Aaron Marshall. Yeah. Oh shit, how about that? Yeah. And their bassist, which I don't know his name. Yeah, he doesn't either. So <laughs> no, but that, you know, I'll I'll leave it at that because prog metal yeah. is a is probably a whole genre sound check that we'll have to do at we some go point prog through the years man <sighs> that'd be like cool start it start it start it uh 60s 70s each of us yeah. pick a decade and then get up to where we're getting yeah we could do it man that would be we cool do it. But I'll, be fun. I'll leave it there so that is you know for me integration those are the seven seven songs that made me although you know, at again, this time, at this point in time, I grain think. of salt. There's a lot more. There's a lot more to my music catalog than those seven songs and the offshoots of them. But um, I feel pretty good about that list. I feel like I, I hit a lot. I feel good about it. Well, I'm gonna tail us off. Take us home. We'll Jimmy. do a we'll do a recap at the end here. But we're gonna do Operator. That's not the way it feels. By Mister, the late, the great, Jim Fortune. Let's do it. Mr. Jim Croce, tailing us out. A really great end to this mixtape. It's his third album. Came out in 1972, April. Released as a single, Rapid Roy as the B-side. Rapid Roy, that's not cowboy. Exactly. Too much to believe. Always got an extra pack of cigarettes. Rolled up in his t-shirt sleeve. (laughs) Off of, you don't mess around with Jim. Oh, yeah. Such a such a, a great album by an iconic artist, but such a tragic, sad story. Yeah. Like, so, Jim Croce, 
five albums, five studio albums, 66 to 73. This came out in 72. Plane crashed down, gone, 73. Had a few albums released after his death that really made it big. Things like I Got a Name. I remember that was like a a song that you really connected to. I did, and I'm going to get to that. Okay, I'll shut up. Like my like my father before me, like the, the 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 whole lineage in the song. I'm the fifth. My dad was named Jim. I'm named Jim. This guy's named Jim. His dad was named Jim. Everybody's named Jim. A bunch of gems, yeah. And a bunch of gems just hanging out. Mm-hmm. The reason I didn't pick it here is specifically because you were going to be on this podcast and this song, Operator. For whatever reason, I can't quite put my finger on it or why. We used to belt these lyrics. Just as we did right now when we were listening to it. Yeah, we sure did. And my best old ex-friend Ray was just like a line that like we loved saying together <laughs> at the same time. Because it's and out of order. It doesn't it, make it is my best old ex-friend Ray. Like it just yeah, yeah it just doesn't it doesn't it's not hitting the notes the right way. It's my ex old uh, best friend. Yeah. That's what it should have been. Jim. <laughs> my best old yeah, it's out of order. It's out of order. It makes sense. Um, he was born in South Philly, Upper Darby High School, went to Villanova. He had a regular gig at a steakhouse in Lima, PA. I don't know where Lima, PA is. No. I'm from Pennsylvania, and I don't know where Lima, PA is. People from Lima don't know where Lima is. No. It's fine. Like, wait, where are Lima? It's where Lima. Aaron Marsh's basis is from. <laughs> he had a regular gig at a steakhouse. Man. Um... His parents gave him the money for his first album. They gave him like five hundred bucks. He profited ten thousand off of facets with him and his wife that he met. Um, they wrote songs together. They covered some songs, and then I guess one of the producers was like, "You need to go to New York. You need to go to New York." And they both like hated it. Yeah. They were like, "It's too much." They sold a bunch of their guitars to get back home. Um, didn't have any money. And went to uh, somewhere in PA. I couldn't even remember Lindell or something like that. I don't even know where that is. Yeah. Um, and his wife became like a baker and canned fruits and vegetables. And Jim Croce worked as a construction worker and drove trucks and worked as like this very blue collar guy. Yeah. And continued to write songs about the people he met. So like Rapid Roy and oh, Big yeah. Bad Leroy Brown, all those were like real people. The roller derby met. queen, maybe who knows? It's a great um, song. But I just thought it was like his sound is so like blue collar, right? If you want to put a Jim Croce, he's a blue collar singer, but it's yeah. a real blue collar singer. Like yeah, he, shit. he he lived that shit. I don't um, realize that. But yeah. Jim Croce just sold a special place in my heart, not only because of that and the connection, but um, his name's Jim. I got a name. Like it was just, it was just so much. Like came out of that. Another just random fun thing to think about in this song. Aria will, my daughter, who's seven years old, will never understand this song. Operator, nope. can you help me place this call? You can keep the dime. You can keep the dime. Whomst? What? For what reason? Who's an operator? 10, I don't 10, know what an operator is. What happened? Bob, we like, I barely know. I barely know what an operator is. The fuck is a collect call? <laughs> what is a payphone? <laughs> what is a payphone, dude? 
Can you help me place this call? See the number. He's just having a conversation. The whole song is him having a conversation with an operator. Echo, can you help me place this call? (laughs) Yeah, give me the number. I'll call them if you give me the number. Yeah. And another thing I was going to throw your dad in the mix. We were driving around. I think he was driving us around. And Jim Croce came on and we were both singing. And he was like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? Like, <laughs> it was so blatant. Like, how old are you? Like, what do you, yeah. what do you know this song? We're like, turn my, it up. My dad was a Jim Croce fan for sure. Yeah. And I think I think he was always, in some senses, like impressed our our music knowledge. And definitely. And it was, I, I honestly, like, you know, I know we're wrapping this up. But like, right. I, I think it was. Our music knowledge is it's exponential because we both have the same drive to find new music right. and to learn about new music and we pass it on and it's not it's never a competition like who yeah. found the it's always like oh I'm so interested like Jimmy found you found the proto man right Let's and I was go. like yo this is cool as shit three albums concept album like it's all about Mega Man and all this stuff it's like that was, that was really cool. And like right. we go back and forth and find all that kind of stuff. And I think even at that age, my dad was impressed that we had somehow, even before YouTube was big, right. like gathered the <laughs> the music knowledge, knowledge and the, the second verse lyrics of, uh, you know, Operator. So, right. So, uh, yeah, dude, I had a great time digging through all this and kind of like, reliving those moments or remembering the last time i remembered reliving those moments yeah and all the music comes through and i really think we put together something that works for us and i think will work for other people i think so too and and you know i've said it about six times on this podcast to to you know avoid being super repetitive that song slaps but there's so many more songs. Like oh, I would, I would challenge anybody to find themselves with seven songs. Mm-hmm. If you go out and you, you know, when we first started this, my playlist was like, all right, I got this, I got this, songs. I got this. This is when I was a kid. This is the song that my parents showed me. This is this genre that I like. This is another song from that genre I liked. It's like no, pare it down. It's like you can't find the most influential. So there's like. The notable exclusions list is longer than the inclusions list. Oh, 100%. But, 100%. Um, so right. Listen to stuff that makes you uncomfortable. Expand your horizons and listen to, to cool music. And you might find some really life-changing shit like we have. Maybe. Until next time. And that rounds out The Music That Made Us, Volume 2. Pat and I had a blast putting this together and going through some of our old childhood memories. We hope you all had a great time listening alongside us. We'll be back in the next few weeks. we got the holiday coming up, so everyone have a great Thanksgiving. As always, be sure to follow me on Facebook, Spotify, and the YouTubes to make sure you have the music available when you're ready to push play. All right, jammers, until next time, jam on.